Welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. This is episode number two, where we are going to look at the number one overlooked cause of headaches and migraines. Now, this is a topic that I get very, very excited about because this is a pivotal key concept to understand if you at home who are suffering with headaches and migraines are going to feel empowered, are going to feel confident with your decision to move forward in the healthcare process uh, with something that can actually provide you with answers. So the number one overlooked cause of headaches and migraines, this is something that I have taught webinars on. Every time I have a patient, a new patient enter the clinic, we do what's called a free discovery visit. And this is what I talk about This is um, something that gives people a lot of hope, and I'm excited to share in more detail, actually, than what I provide in my uh, free discovery visit. Uh, I'm going to provide more detail to you today, and hopefully um, this will result in you feeling encouraged and hopeful that there's an answer for you. So again, I'm Dr. Taves. This is the Headache Doctor podcast. It is my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. So without further ado, let's jump into it. All right, so when we look at headaches and migraines, the stats out there are kind of shocking. I think for a lot of people, they don't really express how debilitating their headache or migraine is. And so I want to start off with just a few stats of how headaches and migraines affect the general population. So 3% of people in the general population actually have a chronic headache, chronic headache pain. Uh, 48% of migraine sufferers report one to four episodes per month. And of those 48% uh, that are getting this one to four episodes per month, half of those people are stating that those migraines are severely disabling. So that means bed rest. These are people that wake up with a migraine or a migraine presents and and the pain gets so severe where they cannot get out of bed. It's the shut off the lights, no noise. You just have to avoid anything that would um, trigger or be sensitive. And, And oftentimes that means you just have to attempt to fall asleep in a dark room. Migraine pain reduced health-related quality of life more than osteoarthritis or diabetes. So this is something that is uh, extremely debilitating, reduces people's quality of life uh, more so than osteoarthritis. So think of your grandma or someone that's really dealing with knee pain, knee osteoarthritis. They're kind of limping around. They have a hard time getting up and moving. So migraines actually reduces health-related quality of life more than osteoarthritis. It actually cost the U.S. economy more than $1 billion in lost uh, time at work and productivity. And uh, so it's it's estimated that the burden on U.S. employers and the economy is over a billion dollars. So this is significant. This is something that should not be ignored. So when we look at headaches and migraines, we understand the burden it has on society there's a couple things that we have to approach this and consider. The first question I have, and, and this is sort of going to bust a few misconceptions, but uh, the first question I have is, you know, are we approaching this from the, the get-go the correct way? So there's a few things uh, that are misconceptions that I want to go over first. There's three points here to make. The first is the pain source is in your head. The second is the pain is is in your head. It's actually presenting as like a psychosomatic thing or, or something that you're just making up. 
And the third is that it's a vascular problem. So those are the three sort of ideas that are flowing through the healthcare system um, that are actually somewhat misconceptions. They're not um, completely false, but they generally lead people down a road that is not the actual underlying source of pain. They're just they're given as responses to someone with headaches and migraines when the provider doesn't necessarily know what's causing it. So again, that's the pain source is in your head, meaning there's something that's actually generating pain in your head. The pain is is in your head, or basically you're you're making it up, or it's a vascular problem. All right. So the the medical doctor has an approach of one, they want to reduce the frequency of attacks. They want to improve uh, your response to to medication for an acute attack, and then they want to improve quality of life and reduce disability. So it's actually two main thoughts. They want to reduce the frequency and the intensity of your uh, symptoms. So there's really not a promise that we found an underlying problem and this is something that can go away. If we remove an underlying problem, you can actually be someone that doesn't present with migraines. That's never a part of the conversation. It's you have migraines, let's reduce the frequency and the intensity. Let's look briefly at medication. So as you're going through the system, there's abortives and uh, preventive measures or types of medication that patients will take. Those um, abortives are taken within a two-hour window of the onset of symptoms, and the preventatives are usually taken on a daily basis. These preventive medications oftentimes can be uh, used for blood pressure issues. So there's there's heart uh, medications that have an effect on the heart or blood vessels. Um, there's other ones that are like anti-seizure medications that basically depress the, the nervous system, um, antidepressants, things like that. And so the neurologist will actually prescribe that the specific type of medication based off of uh, what other types of diagnoses you have. So if you struggle with depression, let's try an antidepressant. If you have high blood pressure or, or a cardiac event in the past or something related to the heart, um, you'll, you might get a beta blocker or a calcium channel blocker. And then we get into the, the latest and greatest, these um, uh, CRGP drugs that basically are shutting off a protein that transmits uh, the, the pain signal that's often found in migraine patients. So again, all these drugs are, are treating symptoms. They're not necessarily getting at the underlying source of pain. So let's look at how a headache or a migraine is diagnosed and how that impacts treatment. And then in just a second, this is going to lead into the number one overlooked cause of headaches and migraines. But understanding how this is diagnosed is important. A migraine or headache is diagnosed based off of symptoms. When I say that it's based off of symptoms, what I mean is that there is little to no objective data that is required for you to receive the diagnosis of a migraine. So a migraine is characterized by moderate to severe pain. It's typically one-sided. It can be pulsating, oftentimes aggravated by physical activity. And then what most people are aware of is that it's accompanied by vomiting or photophobia, phonophobia. So sensitivities to lights and sounds or nausea. Um, and then you can also get this visual disturbance or an aura that precedes the uh, onset of, of the migraine symptoms. So that's how a migraine is diagnosed. And what I mean more specifically is there's not an x-ray or a CT or an MRI that's finding something objective that says here, this is a key indicator of a migraine and this is what you have. It's basically just taking your symptoms, diagnosing you as a, a migraine sufferer, and then leading you down a road of taking medication.
All right, so the, the most overlooked cause of headaches and migraines. Is there something that can produce head, neck, facial pain, nausea, uh, sensitivities to lights and sounds, pulsating, one-sided, moderate to severe pain? Is there something that can produce all of those symptoms that is being overlooked? Yes, 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 there is something that's being overlooked. I work with patients every day that have this problem, and uh, this is what should bring you hope. So the most overlooked cause of headaches and migraines is actually a neck injury. Now, when I say neck injury, I'm not necessarily meaning that the chiropractor x-rays and that approach is, is the answer. I'm not necessarily saying that you need to go to a massage therapist and, and get a few stretches to your neck. There's um, some nuances to it, but yes, a neck injury can be overlooked in the underlying cause that can actually generate all of these symptoms you experience with a migraine. And with when I say migraine, I'm also including uh, various types of headaches. So tension type headaches, what's called a cervicogenic headache. Um, and so there's several dozen different types of diagnoses. But uh, what's happening is that this neck injury, which I'll go into in depth in a second, is actually sending a pain signal through the brainstem. And it's ending up, it, it lands in the brain and the brain perceives it as coming from the head or the face. The reason it does that is because in the brainstem, there's a nucleus that gathers up other sensory nerves and sends a common signal to the brain. And so the brain gets that signal and it doesn't know where to attribute it to. And so it, it can easily confuse it as coming from behind the eye and the temple, maybe wrapping up and around. So there's, there's a variation of presentations that occur. And when it's severe enough, that's when it can confuse uh, the pain signal as, as nausea, as sensitivities to lights and sounds. So it's pulling in other senses, other sensory nerves, other sensory pathways, and basically just saying, I don't know where to attribute this. So we're going to say, you know, it, it feels bad enough. It's a strong enough signal. So we're going to pull a bunch of other senses into it. So it's a referred pain. It's a referral pattern, which is very, that's, that's a common thing within healthcare. Um, any provider should understand what referred pain is. All right, so why is it overlooked? When you get an x-ray or an MRI or a CT scan, what's happening is they are taking a still image and they're looking at the, the bone, they're looking at joint spacing, and they're looking at the soft tissue if there's inflammation, things like that. What's not looked at is movement how your neck is moving, what the specific joints are doing when you rotate, when you look up and down. And that lack of understanding of what movement should look like and how important that is, is really what's being overlooked. Now, if you go to a primary care doctor and you say you have headaches, they might ask you to turn your head left and right and look up and down. Most of the patients that I see will have normal neck range of motion when you're just looking in general terms. When you're allowing the neck to function with with each joint um, and not isolating a specific joint, then the body's great at compensating and it's going to find a way to turn your head all the way or look up and down. And so this neck injury that re results in a loss of movement is really in the upper part of the neck. The upper part of the neck, it comes down to, to two joints specifically. So the first joint is the head sitting on the first bone in your neck. That's called the atlas. Now the atlas is important and if you've uh, been to a chiropractor, this is something they would have talked about. Uh, now, remember, I'm a physical therapist, so the, the primary difference is chiropractors are looking at alignment, and I'm focusing on movement. And so when it comes to movement and between the head and the atlas, 
it's it comes down to this nodding motion. So about 10 degrees of forward nodding is the important motion that most people have lost. Now, if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, oh, I can look down and it seems fine, that can be misleading because the, the mid portion of your neck is usually going to pick up the slack. So I want to know, is your head actually able to move on the first bone in your neck? And specifically, is it moving 10 degrees? And if it's not, what does that feel like? Is it increasing tension in the upper part of the neck? Is it inflamed? Is it irritated? And especially if I try to move it, is it going to reproduce a headache, which oftentimes it does. So that's the first thing I want to look at. The second thing I want to look at, and if, if you're uh, watching via YouTube, I'm just going to show you on a model here real quick. So this is nodding that should occur. Um, and then when we talk about the second joint, for you listening on the podcast, it's the first bone in the neck, the atlas, moving on the uh, the second bone in the neck, um, which is the axis. So uh, when you think of axis, uh, there's actually a thumb-like structure that sticks up and the atlas sits right on top of it, almost like a donut. So the atlas is primary functioning to turn and rotate on the axis. So you have about 40, 45 degrees of rotation each direction. So every time you turn your head, you should actually have about 45 degrees of rotation just between the axis and the atlas. Now that is is essential. Most patients I see with headaches and migraines actually have lost the majority of that motion. And so that's something that the x-ray, the CT scan, the MRI will not pick up, um, but is key to making a proper diagnosis. All right, so there you have it. In the most simplistic form, the most overlooked cause of headaches and migraines is a loss of movement, an injury that leads to a loss of movement in the upper part of the neck. Now the upper part of the neck is important because anywhere from the base of the skull to the third vertebrae, the third bone in the neck, anywhere in that zone, if there's a pain that's being sent, it can actually, it's fair game to be referred to the head or the face. That's what research has shown and that's what we want to look for is what's going on in that area. All right, so a couple questions you may have as far as the most overlooked causes. You might be thinking, well, mine, my headaches or my migraines tend to be related to uh, hormone fluctuations. I get, I get a, a migraine around my menstrual cycle. Now, that's very, very common. I hear it all the time. I had a conversation with a patient this morning about that, uh, and I will get into that more in another podcast. That, along with is this a, is there a genetic component? My mom has it, my brother has it, my dad has it. So that can also be answered very easily in, a, in another podcast where I talk about triggers. But I don't want you to rule yourself out because one, you don't think you have neck pain because not all my patients do. And two, because your body responds uh, or your triggers are not necessarily neck related. So triggers that aren't neck related would be changes in the barometric pressure with storms coming in, uh, hormones, um, thinking that there's a genetic component to it, which I'm not saying there's not, and uh, dietary sensitivities, so uh, inflammatory foods, certain certain things like chocolates or wines can trigger headaches and migraines. So all those things, there is an explanation for it, just to kind of briefly give you insight into this. There's two different factors we need to consider. One is how much tension is in your neck, which is actually generating pain. And two, what is the threshold that your body is able to tolerate? That threshold can be manipulated by things like hormones and pressure changes and things like that. And so 
don't rule yourself out just because you may not have realized that your neck uh, could be driving a lot of these symptoms. Now, there's another category of patients that if you start to realize what you're doing to your neck throughout the day, you will have insight into, oh my gosh, I guess I didn't realize it, but my neck actually could be a trigger for these headaches and migraines. So what I'm talking about is looking at your cell phone, having a forward head position. Maybe if you work a desk job and you find your shoulders in forward head position throughout the day, if there's uh, kind of funky positions, you'll put your neck into maybe while you're watching a movie or reading a book in bed, things like that may increase the tension in your neck and uh, trigger a headache or a migraine. So I want you to be aware of your neck. I want you to start thinking about your neck. I want you to uh, adjust your sitting position, your posture throughout the day. And the, the main principle to take home is movement is always better than being sedentary. So one of the misconceptions that patients have is if I just lay low, if I take a nap, if I, if I just relax on the couch, that will allow me to feel better. And oftentimes this loss of movement is just going to be further irritated by resting where uh, it would be better to actually get up and walk around, go on a walk, um, and even get into a gradual exercise routine, which can get some good endorphins pumping through your body and your body can be, uh, you can increase that threshold for what you can tolerate. So there's uh, some little nuggets for you to take home, but I want you to start thinking about what role would my neck play in this? Does it make sense? I, I want you to start focusing on the positions you put your neck in throughout the day and understand that your neck is likely playing a role in your headaches and migraines. Don't disqualify yourself because of certain triggers you have. I've seen just about every trigger in the clinic. I've seen just about every type of headache and migraine. And so I want you to take this podcast, uh, talk about it with a friend. If you are in Colorado Springs or even outside of Colorado Springs, it doesn't matter. We've had patients from all over. But uh, if you want to go further and want to know how this personally impacts you and tell us your story, then give us a call. We have virtual or in-person free discovery visits where I not only talk about this, but we, we listen to your story and um, give you uh, feedback based off of if your presentation matches the type of patient that does well uh, with this approach. So feel free to schedule that on our website, www.NoveraHeadacheCenter.com. More importantly, I just want you guys to subscribe to this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel and uh, help us spread the word. I mean, there's people out there that are constantly taking these abortive medications uh, and fearful of their next day. And again, it's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and to thrive in everything they do. And I appreciate you guys being a part of that. Uh, I'll see you next week.